Welcome to the Mike Signorelli Podcast. It's good to have you. Over the next 30 minutes, I'm going to do my best to answer the questions that you're actually asking. Before we jump in, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Come on, let's get started. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Mike Signorelli. Welcome to the Mike Signorelli Podcast. And I'm just going to say it from the jump. If you are a church staff member who's a millennial, if you're a pastor who employs millennials or young millennials, this is going to be one of the most valuable resources you have. This is one of those things that you prescribe to somebody. And it's like it's either like a vaccination or it's medication. And you need this. This is one of those like, I'm going to just give this to one of my staffers and hope that they read between the lines. This is this is the episode that you passive aggressively tag your staff members in the comments by name. By name. By name. And here's what we're going to do. We're, we're taking off the gloves. Now, here, let me give you a little bit of context, okay? I lead a two-location church called V1 Church. We have a location in Queens, which is one of the five boroughs of New York City, and then Long Island. It's like two different worlds, 22 miles apart. And Evan Wilson is my guest today. He's my guest every day. It is true. true. (laughs) Everywhere I go, God put us together in such a crazy, mysterious way. He was an intern under me in Indiana when I was the executive pastor of our sending church. And initially, he did not feel the call to come to New York and pioneer and launch this crazy church. And then the Holy Spirit changed it. And it was a crazy, we'll skip all that because I want to make sure that we go for the next several minutes and this guy is going to throw knives. And here's what I mean by that. Evan is one of the guys, I know this is like a big setup, but mm-hmm. once we get in, yeah, no we're pressure, in man, you're really, you're really <laughs> hyping it up. I hope I can live up to it. Well, Evan's one of those rare guys. Well, and my wife and I say that he's a, a, he's a notebook in an era of iPads. Like he's analog in the digital era. And what I mean by that is he's he's like old school and new school. And I've watched you, and this is like a compliment to you. So I employ him, or the church does rather. But even before that, he was a part of the pre-launch phase. He's a big time pioneer. We basically hatched most of everything that people know about V1 Church in a Starbucks in Michigan City, Indiana. That's true. So like we birthed a big vision for a major metropolitan in on the backside of a hill. A proverbial Mm -hmm. David thing, like didn't even make sense. And yet I've watched him pass so many character tests that a lot of like younger millennials fail over and over and over again. And he's not a perfect person. Lord knows he gets his, he takes his licks and his rebukes just like I do from my leadership. But he has like excelled in this era in a way that, you know, I hear a lot of pastors really complain to me about their staff and what they go through. And I think to myself, you know, either Evan struggled in that way too, or he graduated that or he never struggled with it because he had a good mama shout out to his mom and dad so i guess just to kind of open this up evan like Mm -hmm. you were like maybe let's trace it back because i feel like your story is a lot of people's either their story towards ministry your age or it's kind of like their their dream Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the like the kind of like millennial, like I want to do something great with my life. I don't care how much money I make, you know? So yeah. you kind of have that story. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and just tell the world what happened. Yeah. So it's, it's been a wild ride so far. And, uh, really my story was, um, I was raised in church my whole life, 
like you touched on, amazing parents raised me up to love the Lord. Um, and then, th- I mean, this is the short version. Uh, opportunity came around for me to intern at an amazing church in Indiana, Road to Life Church, where uh, you and Pastor Julie happened to be the executive pastors at the time. Um, so I had the chance to serve under you guys directly um, and just migrate through all those challenges, all those opportunities, but do it underneath the support and the leadership of of just amazing-hearted, competent leaders. Um, and I, I tell people God got me early, so I wasn't really pre-programmed with a lot, um, but, uh, you know, everybody comes in with stuff, so... Uh, it was just a lot of processes of being broken down um, in love. You know, the, the shepherd's staff, you know, sometimes you got to break the sheep's leg. Um, but just coming through it and uh, through that two-year process of the internship, felt the call to New York, moved out here. Um, and, you know, it's a startup, so there was a lot of hustle. There was a lot of grind. Uh, there was no church payroll a lot of freelancing, a lot of not knowing what was going to come next. Um, oh, financially, man. not knowing where I was going to live. Um, a lot of people, they glamorize and they romanticize like that, um, you know, that, that oh man, I want to I wanna step out, I want to do something crazy. But when you're living in like uh, rodent-infested missionary housing in Brooklyn. True not, story. Tr- very true story, that actually. That's where you live. That's where I lived. Uh, not knowing... Uh, where I was going to even live in two months when that opportunity timed out. Yeah, well, let's um, talk about that for yeah. a second, because here's what I encounter as a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this romanticized version of something, right? Like you see, you, for me, being from Indiana, thinking about New York City, it's sexy. Mm-hmm. You think the Ninja Turtles when you're a kid, you think sex in the city and mm-hmm. like, you know, that whole that whole veneer that's on it. I mean, now you have all these Marvel movies and the Avengers and like, right. you know, we'll do Spider-Man's from Queens and like yeah. you have this romanticized version version of what it's going to mean to like live in a city and 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 not only that but also to like work for the young pastor who mm-hmm. has the progressive ministry who right. gets it oh this pastor gets it and one of the earliest memories i have is you know, you end up living in missionary housing in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. The first thing I buy you is rat traps. Like literally, I was like, mm-hmm. here's water, rat traps, and pizza, and use them in no particular order. And then I move later, and one of my earliest memories is you physically bleeding out of your hands in the middle mm-hmm. of winter, because we moved in January, lugging all the church gear up to my one bed two bedroom apartment in Queens and just thinking like, this is the dream. Like, and, and so how do you, and this is what I think a lot of people struggle with, like, especially millennials on staff, they're always chasing this moving target. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh man, I got to, I got to work for the church now. And, but now my church is not progressive or cool enough, or the graphics aren't cool enough, or my pastor's too older. And and so, but I'm going to get in with this church that's in this major metropolitan. And then they get there and it's like, oh man, I live in this crap apartment, but I want to, and you know, this target's like always moving. Like, how have you kind of made it through transition after transition and had a level of grind and hustle and but also like patience and also mm. empathy and also there's just something unique about your ability to like have a realistic perception mm-hmm. of it yeah yeah definitely i think really what it comes down to time after time is why are you doing it 
And if your attraction Preach to ministry, that, if your attraction to ministry is, oh, this this particular church or this particular pastor, he gets cool graphic design, or he he has the same taste in worship music that I do, and I feel like my preferences can be. Uh, supported in this particular ministry, um, then that creates a culture of hirelings. It creates a culture of, oh, uh, I'm not actually being led by the Holy Spirit and being planted somewhere where he wants me. I'm being led by my preferences in church culture. And I think a lot of the times um, younger leaders and younger aspiring leaders, they can see uh, what's promoted in these influential churches and not realize, man, that's just, that's the carpet. That's, that's the aesthetic. That's the tip of the iceberg. But beneath it is the book of Acts. It's the same church that has been built before, long before video content, long before uh, like progressive worship music. Like, at the end of the day, why are you doing it? Is yeah. it because you love people? Is it because you're submitted to a pastor's vision and will give your life to it? Is it because you see a trajectory of, oh my gosh, like a region can actually be changed? Because once once that becomes your why and that becomes the lens that you view everything through, then you know what? My preferences take a back seat and I'm not going to bounce the moment that my preferences or my comfort level isn't met by a particular ministry. See, what he just said right now, that's the proof of what I'm talking about is being able to push preferences aside. But you know, just to kind of like give the other perspective, I do think that sometimes the church ages with the mm-hmm. senior leader. Yeah. And so you see this phenomenon where each year that the that the lead pastor ages, so does the church. And I think for part of this dynamic is like mm-hmm. you you know, you being willing to sacrifice your preference for the vision that the lead pastor Mm -hmm. has and being submitted to that. But then me also saying, can I be the kind of pastor that is willing to listen to your preferences? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I will say right now you're wearing a vibrant (laughs) Hawaiian shirt. So like, it's it's a little bit easier. (laughs) I'm lucky enough. I lucked out that, um, you know, V1 church is very relevant, very progressive, you know, and, and a lot of my preferences are met, which is, it's, it's organically, organically, like it just happened to be that way. Um, but uh, it's got to go deeper than that. I think it does. And, and you know, it's funny because there have been, it's kind of this mutual exchange. And this is how I think, you know, I'm at the, I'm the oldest millennial you can be. You're the youngest millennial you could be somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And there has been times where my wife and I have been like, we're not feeling that Easter branding that you put together because you know that's part of what you do here is like the aesthetic element. But then all of a sudden, like literally nine months later, a major fashion company will drop the same aesthetic or something. And you've always had that cutting edge and we've learned to trust. And so part of it is like, you've learned to trust me mm-hmm. and I've learned to trust yeah. you. And that makes this, this union that we have special because, and, and I think that that's people, you know, but they think it's sort of like accidental. And yeah. I think that you g- killing your preference and then, but then me also killing mine. Mm-hmm. And I think being willing to say, 
I mean, there's been a couple of times where I've said like, go ahead, do it, Evan. And I think for me as a good lead pastor, it's like, I refuse to take any of the credit, but I, I profusely take all of the blame. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it's my fault. It's my fault. And trying to cover you in that Mm -hmm. way. And I think a lot of what I see on the internet now is like this generational bashing. Mm -hmm. It's funny because leading into this conversation, I was kind of like stalking on Facebook and I watched, there's this young guy actually had a very huge YouTube channel where he transitioned from kind of like this esoteric, like super spiritual dude into a Christian. And he's only been a believer for three years. And he spoke on some like big C church issues Mm -hmm. and was saying, and, but he said in the post and it kind of like pseudo went viral. And he basically said, listen, I know I've only been a Christian for three years, but here's my observations. And he kind of preferenced it with that and there was this huge generational battle happening Mm. in the comments and this guy's like i'm an apostle to the body of christ and i've been in the game for 20 years and i've seen this and this and this and then someone else is like well you just proved why we don't even you know but and it was like so ugly yeah and i think it's really important that there's got to be this hardcore empathy between Mm. the you know because something that we see in new york all the time and i'm just going there right now please let me go there Mm is we see these second generation pastor sons Mm. hate every second of working for their dad and yet they won't leave the church they won't start their own church Mm -hmm. but they'll just kind of build their own silo yes and you see this phenomenon happen on the micro and the macro so how have you guarded your heart against building silos building out those kind of like Absalom. You hear that all the time, but it's like, okay, David's the king. He's the one who's got the position, the title and the anointing, but I'm going to build out my own fan base. And when the timing is right, I'm going to leverage that to do my own thing because that's something that I hate so much because, and, and just to give you guys my backstory, when I was pastor Dave Gargano's number two, I got this profound revelation. Now this is coming from like a tattooed (laughs) world traveling musician guy who literally tried to make fans like my mm-hmm. goal was to play house of blues and make fans get a song on the radio and make yeah, fans and you did it and i did it to a certain extent yeah. obviously mm-hmm. nobody knows my music so it, it was but i did go after it and so i had that element of like pride in my heart mm-hmm. and i had that thing inside of me that was like build your own thing yeah. and i'll never forget when i met you it was like when I, that was the first time that I surrendered in my heart and said, God, if nobody knows my name, mm-hmm. if I never have another fan of me ever, I want you to be known and I want to surrender to the vision of my lead pastor. And that's when God birthed in my heart this concept of being number one at being number two. Mm-hmm. And dude, I literally read the Bible through a completely different lens. I even realized that Jesus himself was saying, I don't want to be number one. I'm being number one and number two. Jesus yeah. said, You don't see me do my will you see me doing the will of my father and then i got my mind blown so how do you what would you say oh man here's the big setup and uber eats our uber eats just came in in the door come on in uber hey what's up man Uh, you're you're live right now you're you're in it Uh, (laughs) no man thank you this is this is evan's coca-cola not oh, sponsored. Not sponsored. We're going to blur that out. We couldn't think of a more millennial thing to do than order Uber Eats while we record our vodcast. That's the most millennial sentence I've heard in a very, very while long we're time. Wearing, like, <laughs> oh, this man. outrageous shirt. 
Oh, so man. what what do you say to these guys who are like, my dad's the pastor and he doesn't get oh, it man. because I watch all these other guys all day on social and I wish mm-hmm. we were cool and you know yeah, what I mean? Like you know, how do you? Man, that's that. I love talking about this because you know I'm passionate about it. Um, something, and we've talked about this. Um, age gives influence. Youth gives relevance. So there's a give and a take. So a lot of the times, young leaders and young ministers will disregard and devalue those that have come before them and try to just strive and try to, you know, through devaluing what's come before them, like build those silos and all that, not realizing that really like God has graced them. God has put them in a position for a reason and you can disagree on everything, but the reality is you're not a lead pastor until you're a lead pastor. And God honors that office and he calls us to honor that office. So until you can serve another man's vision, God's never going to bless your vision. Yeah, it's, man, that, that was gold. Literally, I felt like a gravity on what you just said. It got real serious mm-hmm. in here because we, we often want to like, basically, I think that with that way I understood it with Dave is that I sowed into his field and reaped in my own. Mm-hmm. And we want to simultaneously sow in our own field and reap in our own field. But that ironically is not how the kingdom of no. heaven operates at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think the wisdom in this mm-hmm. is yes, you will like God, there is a harvest. Like God wants to do some incredible things through you, but can, can you mobilize all of your gifts, resources, talents, and abilities in another man's field mm-hmm. in faith that you're going to reap in your own? Yeah. I mean, I literally moved a thousand miles in the opposite direction of New York to serve Dave and Vanessa's vision. And then every seed I sown every 70 hour week work week, mm-hmm. you know, every, it, it, I, literally watch those seeds manifest and spring up here in New York. Oh man. Without striving. It's so powerful because what I got to see firsthand in your journey, being an executive pastor, preparing to become a lead pastor of your own church. Um, And this is, this is kind of the paradox of how God works. You were set up for more of a win planting V1 Church, giving 110% of your effort to Pastor Dave and Vanessa's vision at Road to Life than if you would have taken a portion of that time and dedicated that to building V1 in, in, in the place of building your pastor's vision. Man, a lot good. of the time we get it twisted. Like you said, you try to plant a seed in your own field thinking, oh, I'll reap that in my own field. But that's backwards from the kingdom mentality. Like if there's was an opportunity for you on the clock at road to life to think, Oh, like I'm, I have pastor Dave and Vanessa's blessing to plant my own church. I'm going to go off and I'm going to do this thing. Like, it's not a huge, like I'll just, I'll work on V one stuff and road to life stuff. And there, but no, like you had the integrity to go all in on the mission and the vision of the pastors you were submitted to. And that did more for V1 than if you had worked exclusively on V1. See, and that right there is gold. What mm. you just tried, and it was nasty. That was nasty. Hey, man, we, <laughs> if you throw <laughs> a rock in a pack, we got a rock in a pack here. of dogs, man. <laughs> we got a saying around here if we throw a rock in a pack of dogs and it hits one of them, you know what I'm saying? So I'll just, I'll just drop stuff and then I'll look at the camera like Jim from The Office. How about that? <laughs> yeah. If, if that was for you, 
Take it. Right. And here's here's why it's so important. And we promised that this podcast episode was going to be an invaluable resource mm-hmm. for, you know, people employing millennials, millennials who are on staff, because you can adopt the world's value system and get it completely wrong. So the true. world says climb someone else's back mm-hmm. to get to success. Oh, man. And that... No, Dude, that's influencer culture right now. That's it. It's, Let me it really, leverage. It is. It's like trying to leverage mm-hmm. and politic your way. Mm-hmm. I feel personally like I've missed opportunities because I don't even, I try to go so far in the other direction. My wife and I are old school. We come from, and even this podcast literally has become like a bane of my existence because I spent the like, I spent the last two years pushing the V1 Church podcast and raising up other preachers and communicators locally. Mm-hmm. in my church. Yeah. This podcast, I abandoned it. Someone else found the episode, shared it, then it got shared with someone else and now it gets syndicated to a much right. larger audience. So again, it's there's a truth to the, the idea of keeping the main thing the main thing, not building sideways energy. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's We live in this digital era where it's like, it's okay to leverage relationships for our own selfishness because everyone does it. It's okay to work on your own thing on some someone else's yeah. clock because everyone does it mm-hmm. and you know and I think that's what makes you different that's hopefully what makes me different oh, yeah. is this understanding of like an eternal standard mm-hmm. that like literally there's what the US government will let you get away mm-hmm. with and then there's what God will let you get away with so there's way what, higher standard dude and and that's and I think it's like integrity matters it does and we're fighting for this and that's this is why it all mm-hmm. comes back to that statement of being a book in an era of iPads mm-hmm. yeah. like just just because the words are changing doesn't mean there's not an eternal standard. Yep. And and I think what me and you are trying to do is make the old school relevant again. Like when mm. when men actually worked hard. Yeah. Like when you actually like believed in the vision that was in front of you, even if it wasn't your own vision. Yeah. And I think something that a lot of people get twisted who aren't in the lead pastor role, when you're serving under a good pastor what a lot of people don't realize is they're not even building their own thing. You might see them releasing preaching clips where they happen to be the one speaking. It might be their church that they're the pastor of, but they're not even building their own thing. They're building God's thing. So you, you're saying you as, as an intern, as a millennial, as a young leader, you have the audacity to feel that you've earned some right to build your own thing. Right. That is such a twisted mentality. And you're only seeing a fraction of the full picture. You don't understand the weight that's on your pastor. You cannot understand. I don't understand it. I'm with you every single day. I don't understand one-tenth of it. And you can't until you're in that position. So you have the audacity to think that you could do it better, to think that you should build your own platform. That's that's a demonic idea, and it's dangerous, and it's poison to a healthy church staff. Yeah, and that right there is a very intentional statement. It's dangerous, it's demonic, it's poison, mm. because I do want to speak to the spiritual implications of it. See, sideways energy in corporate America just means the company doesn't do mm-hmm. as well. Sideways energy in the local church means that people go to hell. 
Like literally, yeah. and I'm not saying as a re- I'm saying people go to hell because you have now sidestepped the mission mm-hmm. and you've become a reason why the kingdom doesn't advance. That's why I think it's safe to label it as demonic. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want your messaging to be echoed, but yeah. we were talking about this the other day. Like, so me as the lead pastor here, not only am I directly accountable to God, but I've got a board of directors. Yeah. I've got mentors in my life. We have a church network called Linked International Network of Churches that's speaking in my life. And so it's like, it's kind of, you can get into this place where you can exempt yourself from all that accountability. Mm -hmm. You can exempt yourself from all that mentorship and yet want the same results. And when you look in the book of Acts, anytime somebody said, oh, I get it. I can raise a ton of money doing this. Oh, I get it. I can raise a whole bunch of influence using the name of Jesus as a banner that I put over my own name. Mm -hmm. And then when people get close enough, I just pull that banner back and they see my name. And every single time those people were done in by their own selfish ambitions Mm -hmm. and it's it's like and i think there's something to be said about feeling the fear of knowing yes you're due double honor for communicating the gospel but you're also got a a crazy standard on you by god too and there's that fear and that awe and that reverence Mm -hmm. for god and for the leadership above you that you have to keep reinstalling in your heart Mm -hmm. because it's like for me once i went i remember thinking so badly i want to preach i want to preach i want to preach because I was the executive pastor and that wasn't my role. Mm -hmm. And then I came out here and 47 sermons in, you're like, I don't want to preach. I don't want to preach. I don't want to preach. And God, you know, can even release the thing that you want so badly. That seems so sexy to you. Like, man, I love having a wife. Well, it's to have and to hold, not just to have sex with, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, Hey man, sex is awesome, but you have to shelter your family. You have to feed them. You have to grind. And it's like, and I think a lot of times it's like when you, when you have a distorted perspective on all these things, Mm -hmm. it's, I've watched people go from like 18, 19, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And they never get it. No, man, they were always necromancing this, this crazy illusion. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I think for me and you, our goal, just to kind of wind this down, we're going to have to do a a part two to this. If you guys have any questions is the goal is, Hey man, if you're not from New York, it's sexy. When you live in it, it's dirty. You might be eating Mm -hmm. dinner with master splinter tonight, you know? And like, and will you covenant to this place? Will you make a bond to this place and say, man, I'm putting the flag of the kingdom down here and I'm not going anywhere. I don't have plan B like, or Hey man, working for a church is awesome for the first month. Yeah. But then like a year in two years in three years in, like, can you get back up on that cross over and over again and say like, no man, I've put my stake here. Mm-hmm. And, and even if no one ever knows my name, I believe that sowing in this field is going to cause me to reap in the, in the next. So just kind of shutting it down. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, man. Closing thoughts. I'll, I'll just throw out some, some advice from experience to all our young leaders out there. If you're new to leadership Always take the posture of, I don't know. That doesn't mean you're not confident. It doesn't mean that you're not dedicated or, or you feel like you're equipped to do a job. But a lot of these things that we talk about, it comes from the posture of, oh, I know. I know what the pastor knows. I know better. I know what to do in this situation. If you come at every situation and it really never stops, I mean, you have the posture of, I don't know, um, because that's how you learn. That's how you grow. 
and you learn from the right people, but go into every situation with a posture of, I don't know, that's how you learn. The phrase, I know, is the biggest hindrance to growth and personal development. Um, So just be humble, recognize the season that you're in, and just honor up, and you'll be fine. Man, that is so good. Thank you for that, Evan. I cannot say enough about how much of an honor it is for me to work with you and Mm -hmm. to be a part of your story and to see you grow. And every leader that I have that's in a different stage, like above and beyond where I'm at now, and I, my life's desire and goal is to get where they're going. They are just ferociously curious. And just off of that, I was recently in Israel speaking with Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok. And every time I get up there and preach and do my thing, I get down and he would ask me, how did you do that? How did you do that? I'm like, you have a syndicated show that it's like Hillsong Network and, Mm -hmm. you know, every other major syndication. And, you know, he's got a huge church and he's, you know, really like been in the game for decades and yet he's still trying to steal. And then he co-opted my moves and the next time he would preach, did my thing better than I do it. And just seeing that, this ferocious curiosity, it's just, and I I think that pride, it stifles curiosity. So if you're listening to this Mm -hmm. right now, you know, you know, you might think that you're relevant because you're young and you've got all these cool ideas, but the irony of being prideful while you have your relevancy is that it kills your curiosity and does you in, in the end. So true. So here's what I want you guys to do. Stay curious, stay humble, stay hungry. And I want you to share this podcast with someone. If you know somebody who's struggling through these issues with either someone on their staff, or maybe it's somebody like that's on a staff and you're like, man, I've got heart issues. Again, this could be your vaccination or it could be your medication. So serve it up to them. Passive so, aggressively tag in the comments. <laughs> yeah. So like, like, subscribe, do all those things. And this is the Mike Signorelli podcast. We are out. We will see you next episode. If this episode helped you in any way, visit MikeSignorelli.com and sign up to receive encouragement and resources directly to your inbox. I'll see you over there and I'll see you next episode.